0: Hi, guys. So, we're uh, going to finish up on our series on tithing today. Um, If you haven't heard, I believe this is the fifth message. Um, If you hear the fireplace in the background, don't be alarmed. It's just. Anyway, it's fall, so it's very cold today. but yeah, uh, so like I, I believe this is our fifth in the series. And essentially last week, we were. To, if you haven't listened to the other ones, please go listen to those before you listen to this one. Um, I believe in the first three, we were essentially talking about the things that uh, the tithe is not. And then these last two, and today what we're going to be talking about is how we as believers are to give. Um, and basically, just to kind of recap, we've been talking about... Um, the tithe was something that was instituted in the Old Testament for the Jews, for the Hebrews, um, and it was um, to um, to take care of the temple and the priesthood and the sacrifices and, and things of that nature, which we don't practice anymore. And so um, basically our warning is that, you know, be careful about um, following parts of the law as the New Testament, which Jesus has set us free from the law, okay? And as parts of the law, Jesus has set us free from the Sabbath. He's also set us free from the tithe. Now that doesn't mean that uh, we are free to not give, or that we live in anarchy and just do what we want to do, and we uh, we we give a mere pittance, or we just give as, as as the smallest amount that we can give. You know, so that's not what we're talking about. So. Basically, we want to talk about uh, today how we are to give. And again, we talked about this a little bit last time, but we just want to continue with that and finish up with that. Um, We as believers, we are to give freely and we are to give generously. Um, I stated it last time, I've stated it several times actually, that believers should be the most giving people on the planet, simply because of what God has given to us. Uh, we should have hearts of gratitude, and that's, you know, that's, if you think about it, that's all worship is about. Some of us go to church and we wonder, well why do we got to sing songs to God? Why do we why do we have this go through these these things every Sunday and things of that nature? Well, it, it's because our and the thing is is if someone is forcing you to worship, you need to examine your life and you need to ask yourself why is there in that? In the same way, it in any form of giving, whether it's of our time, whether it's of our money, whether it's of Our gifts, whether it's of our talents, whatever it is, we should be the most giving people on the planet because God has given to us. And in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7. Now, in Deuteronomy 15, it talks about the year of remission of debts. And essentially what would happen is... is In the Old Testament whenever you had a slave every seventh year you were supposed you were actually required by God to set your say your slave free now in actual practice this ceased to happen which is one of the reasons why God judged the Old Testament Israelites because they didn't do the things that he commanded but um, so let's look at it in uh, um, Deuteronomy 15 look at this in verse 4 he says, however, there will be he's talking about how when they enter into the land, God saying, I'm going to bless you there. And in verse four, he says, however, there will be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land, which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. If only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully all his commandment, which I am commanding you today. And it's my contention that if we believers truly gave according to the spirit of god there there would not be at least the level of poverty that there is in our churches today right if if we saw if we saw the needs of the people around us and we were led by the holy spirit to give to those needs then i believe that most of the poverty would be alleviated in the church today and I believe that that's what God was trying to do with the Old Testament Israelites and it's a type and shadow of in my opinion what God wants to be doing in the church today and again it's like I talked about last time our focus in the church these days is on building bigger and and more magnificent structures and things well those things cost money and it costs money to keep them up. It costs money to do the air conditioning, the heating, all that kind of stuff. It it costs lots of money. And I wonder sometimes if our focus has become on these things rather than on helping our poor neighbor. And so now all of our money has to be funneled into keeping this machinery alive. And I wonder sometimes if that's what God has want had intended for us to be, or if He intended us to be. Uh, in like the early church met in houses and so they didn't have these expensive structures to maintain and upkeep and things of that nature. So, uh, again, this is just what I'm thinking. It, you know, I'm not saying that everyone needs to be like this, but I do think that it's something that we about. should ask ourselves and that it, we should think about yeah. because if our money wasn't going to these structures, these very expensive structures and to their upkeep and their management, What more could we as a church be doing? So uh, skip on down to verse 7. He says, um, well, look at verse 6. He says, for the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised you. And this is a scripture that many prosperity preachers preach. And he says, you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. And you will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. But it continues there. It doesn't stop there with your own selfishness and with yourself." In your needs and your things, he says, if there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers, in any of your towns in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. But look at this, he says, but you shall freely open your hand to him and shall and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need and whatever he lacks. Beware that there is no base thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of remission is near. In other words, every seventh year they would forgive debts. They were commanded on the seventh year. If someone owes you money, you're to forgive that and to let it go and not expect anything from them. See, this is the heart of God. The heart of God is not us being bound in debt and being bound to each other and believers suing other believers and, and things of that nature. He says in that seventh year, you're to let your slave go free. If he owes you, to, if, he, if a person owes you money, money, you're to let it go and to forgive that debt. He says in verse nine again, beware that there is no base thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of remission is near and your eye is hostile towards your poor, your poor brother and you give him nothing that he may cry to the Lord against you. Look at this and it will be a sin in you. But verse 10, but you shall give generously, you shall generously give to him and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. In other words, you're giving generously, you're giving freely with nothing, with no chains, no strings attached. And we live in a society where people do not give to other people unless there's something in it for them. Now that's something maybe good press. You know what I'm saying? Oh, look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look how I'm giving to this person. Look what a great person I am. Or it may be doing it for interest. Okay, yeah, I'll give it to you, but I want interest back. Right? He says, verse 10 again, "You shall give generally to him and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him because this thing the Lord your God will because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings." For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to the needy, and the poor in your land. So what's he saying? Have your eyes open. Be aware of the people around you. What are the two commandments that God uh, in the New Testament? The greatest commandment is that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what's the next one? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we go to church with people. We sit with people every Sunday. We rub soldiers with people. And some of these people are struggling. Some of these people are hurting. Some of these people, we're coming into Thanksgiving season right now. There are people that that they have nowhere to go for Thanksgiving. There are people that have no money to, to have some fancy Thanksgiving dinner. There are people that we know about that are struggling and we don't lift a finger to help them. This is not how the church is supposed to be. We are supposed to Uh, know the needs to love our brother and our sister that we set by enough to lend them a hand to help them out when they need it he says in verse 12 if your kinsman a Hebrew man or woman is sold to you then he will serve you six years but in the seventh year you shall set him free when you set him free you shall not send him away empty-handed you see that so it's like even when you take someone into slavery You are to set him free on the seventh year. And not only are you to set him free, but you're supposed to provide for him. Look at verse 14. You shall furnish him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from your wine vat. You shall give to him, look at this, as the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. You see that? So what he's saying, because God has set you free, you are to be someone who gives. Because God gave to you first, you are to be someone that is filled with gratitude. Someone that's not trying to hold on to every penny that he can pinch. Not someone that's trying to use others for their own purposes and their own advantage. But someone did, whose very nature, whose very being is somebody who gives and someone who's generous in every area of their lives. You say that? Mm-hmm. God. <clears throat> Jesus has, he says, because God has released you, you were a, land, a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord, your God, redeemed you. So. And Jesus, if you are a Christian, Jesus has released you from your sins. He has saved you from his bondage, and he told us in his prayer, what in the prayer that we pray to the Father, what did he say? Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. So throughout the Bible, this whole matter of giving is not just monetarily. It is your nature. It is the core of your being. It is who you are. You, you and I are to be known in every area of, of our lives as someone who's generous, someone who gives freely of every part of our lives. Amen? I know pastors that that you can't get 5 minutes with them because their time is so precious and because they're too important for you. This is not what God has called his people to and it's not certainly what he's called his leaders to. Now I'm not saying that that they give every, you know I'm not saying that you give until you uh, until you're just bled dry and things. The Bible doesn't say that, right? It's not saying that we give to where we, you know, now we're eating scraps or now we're living on the streets or anything like that. But it's talking about whenever you see a need, if you're able to meet that need, then not only are you to meet it, but you're to meet it joyfully and freely and generously. Look at this in Luke chapter 7. And so, again, giving is nothing but worship. A lifestyle of giving is a lifestyle of worship. We give to us because he first gave, or we give to others because he first gave to us. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 37. So, look at verse 36. It says now one of the Pharisees was requesting Jesus to dine with him and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now if you look at the the overall picture of this story you see how hypocritical it is, right? Because for the Jewish man in the uh, the Jewish people in the New Testament when they invited you to dinner, it was a covenant Okay? For a Jewish person to have you over to their home to invite you into their home and to feed you, it was it was a an act of covenant. It was an act of I lay down all my aggressions. I lay I lay down all my uh, uh, my thoughts against you, anything that I have against you, I lay down and we this is to unite our hearts together, right? It's just like Jesus says in Revelation 3, anyone who He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door to me, I will come into him and will sup or dine with him. So for a Jewish person to enter into their home and to dine with them meant that you were laying down every barrier. You were laying down every bit of suspicious thinking, every bit of of, uh, prejudice, every bit of hatred, every bit of and saying you are now my brother. I am bringing you into my home as a part of my family and I am going to serve you and you are going to be a part of my family. Okay. So in verse 36, it says, now one of the Pharisees was requesting Jesus to dine with him. And Jesus entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kept kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Look at this. Now this, again, the the Pharisee should have been you know, I am accepting you into my home. Uh, I'm laying down every prejudice, every, every thought I have against you. And you are now my brother. You are now part of my family. But look at the, uh, what the Pharisee says in verse 39. It says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. So again, it's the whole thing is a hypocritical sham, right? It's like someone that's pretending to be your friend, someone that's pretending to be your brother, but you have impure motives and your heart is against them. Verse forty. And Jesus said, answered him. Si- Jesus answered him, saying, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. He says, A moneylender had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii, and the other fifty. So one owed this exorbitant, huge amount that he would never be able to pay. And the other owed, you know, not very much, a small amount. He says in verse 42, when they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them do you think will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. Jesus said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, your place, your, your place of abode, your place of uh, your, your circle, your inner circle, right? I came into your place of, 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 of intimacy where where I should have been made intimate. I should have been made uh, welcome. I should have been um, um, blessed and, and just, you know, embraced. He says, I entered, let's see, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And again, if you know anything about their culture, they wore sandals, basically flip-flops, and they had dirt roads. So everywhere they, they went, their feet became very dirty. And the first thing that you would do when you invited someone over to your house is you would have one of the slaves wash their feet. Or if a slave didn't do it, you would wash their feet for them. And it was a matter of respect. If you had someone over to your house, you would wash their feet or have their feet washed. And again, it was a, a, a gesture of invitation, of inviting them into your home and making them feel welcome and a part of your family. But he says, um, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since the time... I came in. She has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Look at this, what he says. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Look at this. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. You see that? And here's the thing. Every one of us, especially us who are believers, we have been forgiven a debt we can never repay. In the midst of our sins and our total depravity in our darkness, even if you were born brought up in a Christian home, you have done depraved things, things worthy of death, things worthy of eternal damnation. And Jesus God came in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, and he hung on a tree. And he was cursed, he was spit on, he was mocked, he was beaten for our sins. And so we have been forgiven a debt we can never repay. So our, again, our very hearts, our very nature, our very character should be people who give. We should be a people of gratitude, a people who who don't wait to be, you know, a people who look for opportunities to bless other people because of what God has done for us and what he has given us. Turn to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 verse 28 (laughs) verse 38 he says you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth in other words if someone messes with me I'm going to get them back right if someone attacks me, I'm gonna attack him back. If someone mm-hmm. robs for me, I'm gonna rob him back. If someone hurts me, I'm gonna hurt him back. You know, and it's, uh, I'm not even gonna go there. He says, "But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also." And honestly, I I I kind of I'm concerned a lot of times, like in our in our churches where. Where people come with guns and, you know, and I'm not saying that that's wrong or anything like that. But essentially, Jesus says, if someone attacks you, turn your other cheek. And what about the martyrs in, in countries where people are being killed and, and things? I mean, it just, I have questions about that. Okay. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. I do say that I have questions about it says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Look at this in verse 42. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good who sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You see that? So again, he's saying that God, the very nature, you know, we, we over and over, we always talk about how the verse that says God is love. Well, how is love expressed? Love is expressed through giving, right? And again, it doesn't have to be money. It can be your time. It can be your talents. It can be your gifts. You can pray for somebody. The whole point of it being is God is a giver. And if we are going to be like him, we are to be givers also. And, and again as you notice in some of these examples some of the examples they're not giving to the church they're not giving to a pastor they're not giving to a ministry they're giving to people that they know who have needs not that that's wrong right and again yeah i'm not saying that it's wrong and i i'm not saying like there are people that say well you know i feel like the tithe is a place that to start fine give a tithe i i you know I'm just saying don't be manipulated. And don't be a part of of making people rich and people living luxuriously off the backs of people who can't even pay their bills. Don't be a part of that.
1: Amen.
0: Amen. Okay? Jesus said to be wise as serpents but innocent as doves. And I'm afraid so many believers are... A Sheep is such a perfect metaphor for so many believers because we believe everything that they tell us. And if a preacher tells us, well, give your money, give, give till it hurts, give till you bleed and stuff. And and they're living like they're living like kings on earth while you're barely scraping by to pay your bills. That's ridiculous. Don't be like that. I beg you in the name of Jesus.
1: Amen.
0: Be wise. Be discerning. Know the tree by its fruit. Amen. If it's someone that's hoarding and someone that's living like a king on this earth, that's their fruit. Number two, we're to give expecting and nothing in return. Turn to chapter Luke chapter six. Now, so many preachers, prosperity preachers teach, you know, uh, you know, we're not preaching the, you know, to that you give to receive. Well, the problem with it is so many of their messages are on what you will receive if you give. <laughs> so, you know, again, if you look at the fruit, you see the root. So it's easy to say something like, and people say stuff like that to deflect right. attention off of themselves. And they say we, we we're not teaching that you give to receive, but but if you give, you're going to receive, press down a hundredfold, of all this, and you're going to have you're going to live like kings, like I do. We actually, when we were young pastors, we went to a uh, a conference in Sacramento, California, to a prosperity preacher. And uh, after the conference, he took all the people to his multi-million-dollar mansion so they can see how to put all this into effect. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, little sheeps, there are people that will use you and take advantage of you and do not care whether you can pay your bills or not. Do not care whether your house goes into foreclosure because you couldn't pay your mortgage. And yet they ask for your money. They demand your money. And they tell you that if He's you don't cursed? give your money, you're going to be cursed by God. Yeah. Open up your Bible. Read your Bible. Amen. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Um Basically, it's the same scripture that we read. Uh, look at verse um, 38. Because this is what many of those preachers preach Preach on. They says, Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Now, every prosperity preacher that preaches on this is talking about money. But look in verse 27 and we're going to see, or actually verse... 22, we're going to see what some of these people were given. He says, blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. That doesn't sound like money. He says, be glad in that day and leap for joy for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. Now, here's the thing. God sees everything that we do for him. Right. And he will reward that. Now, the thing about that is, is that may not be monetarily in this life. and it may not be in this life, but we're not living for this life. We're not living for this world. We are pilgrims and strangers and we're just passing through and our lives on this earth are a vapor and we're going to spend an eternity in heaven where we will receive our reward from him. And I, my question is, what are you living for? Are you living for the rewards on this earth that may last 50 years, 60 years? What is that in the light of eternity? It's nothing. What I want is I want to stand before the throne of God and to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Look at this in verse 24 but woe woe to you who are rich for you are receiving your comfort in full you see that this is what the Bible says so many preachers are saying you know God wants you to live your best life now God wants you to be blessed and happy and healthy and wealthy he says woe to you who are rich For you are receiving your comfort in full. Again, think of Christians in third world countries. Christians who are being killed by Muslims every day because of their faith. People who are living in poverty because they can't get jobs because of their faith. And we have it so good in America. And again, I'm not saying that we should just live like you know live on the streets and and you know live like um beggars and and hermits and things like that but i'm also saying that we're not to live like kings on this earth he says woe to you who are well fed now for you shall be hungry woe to you who laugh now for you shall mourn and weep woe to you when all men speak well of you for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good, give right, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer to him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to every everyone who asks of you, who and whoever takes away what is yours, do not do not demand it back. Do you see that? He says, Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Anybody can do that. says, If you lend to those from whom you receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. So again, God wants to bless us and he will bless us and sometimes he does bless us monetarily and sometimes he does us give us houses and good things in this life and things like that you know but again that's not our focus and that is not why we give despite what others say
1: so the context is amazing like you were saying about the context because the verse 38 this one that's been used by prosperity teachers, but the context that you just read. Yeah,
0: the one given to, your, and it will be given to you. And again, that's the, you know, so.
1: So the context is not money, even right. though it may involve that sometimes. That's not the context, and yet it's often used in exactly. that manner.
0: Exactly. The context is, again, giving to people, it's forgiving people, it's, you know, if someone asks to you, loan into them, expecting nothing in return. That's the giving that it's talking about. It's not talking about giving your tithes. Okay? Um, Turn to Mark chapter 10. Again, we're talking about God giving to us. And we are taught by many of the prosperity preachers that God's going to bless us. He's going to reward us with houses, with mansions, with lots of money and and all that kind of stuff in this life. And look at this in Mark 28 or Mark 10, verse 28. Peter began to say to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children's or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake. But he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along. Look at this. He says they will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. And now if you look at it in the context of the first century church. Were they getting mansions? Were they getting, were they getting all kinds of money? Were they getting brand new chariots and, and fancy houses? No, they weren't getting none of that. But what they were getting was families, right? What they were getting, and, and Jesus said, your own family will hate you and persecute you and, 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 and take you to the magistrates and, and things like that. But he says, those brothers and sisters that you lose and things like that, more will be given to you. And so what he's talking about is family. And he's talking about Jesus. Jesus traveled around for three years. He didn't own anything, but he always had a place to stay, right? For the most part, so far as we know. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying essentially that you will be provided for. He's not saying that you're going to get rich, okay? But look what else he says. Look at verse 30 again. He says, But that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with, look at this, along with persecutions. Do you see that? So we like to claim all the good stuff. We like to claim the houses and the farms and the cars and the Cadillacs and the the money and all the good stuff. Do we want to claim the persecutions? Because Jesus said, If you follow me, that's what you're going to receive also and we have it so well in America we have no concept of this because you know we live in this land where we're we're free he says but in the age to come eternal life turn to Philippians chapter 1 so you don't hear prosperity preachers naming and claiming these things. You don't hear them claiming, naming and claiming persecutions. But this is all a part of the package. Jesus says, if you follow me, you will be persecuted. And in Philippians chapter 1, Verse 27. This is Paul speaking to the Philippians. He says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. "...in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God." Look at this, what Paul was saying to the early Christians. Now these are the ones that received all these scriptures first, all the ones about being given to, pressed down, shaken together, and pouring over from your laps and stuff. Look what Paul says that they're going to receive. Verse 29, he says, For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. So again, you don't see any prosperity preachers naming and claiming that verse. But there are many believers around the world right now who are being persecuted, who don't have fancy cars. Who don't have jets that they can fly to and fro. Who don't have mansions that they're living in. Amen. The third thing is, do not sound a trumpet. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. And again, you go to these prosperity churches and they love to talk about how much they give to the Lord. Oh, we gave to the Lord. Now, I'm only telling you to show you that, you know, God's going to bless you if you give. You know, I knew a preacher once we, we actually went to his church and uh, he was planning a missions trip. I can't even remember where it was to. It's been so long ago. It might have been Africa, someplace in Africa. I can't remember where, but he was castigating and he's, he's like, you know, and everyone, you know, he wanted people in the congregation to go with him on this missions trip. And he was castigating the people who were able to get support for the trip. Well, that's easy when you as a pastor can take a collection for yourself, right? But everybody else has to provide for themselves. And there are preachers who live like this, who who castigate you when you can't pay your bills. Oh, you just don't have enough faith. But yet they can get up before a crowd of 100 people and say, you know what? God wants y'all to give. Well, do you as a sheep Do you, as just a member of the congregation, do you have ability to stand up before 100 people and tell them they need to give to you? It's manipulation. And it's a means to an end. So many people, maybe you're listening to this. Maybe you go to one of those churches. You are just a means to an end. And the purpose, the the reason why these pastors preach this is not to bless you, but to bless themselves.
1: Although they claim it's for your your benefit. Yeah.
0: Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Look at what he says. If you're doing it to be noticed by men and again so many of these churches, well I give so much, I give this amount. You know, I used to give 60% of my income to the Lord. Well, how can you live on uh, on 40% of your income? How much money were you making that you could live on 60% of your income or 40% of your income and give 60% of the church? I can't do it. And I don't know anybody else who can. You know, I've been to prosperity churches. Yeah, we gave a million dollars this month to this ministry or that ministry. Well, how many millions did you rake, did you rake in and how many did you keep in your pocket? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like if, if, if a rich man that has a thousand dollars in the bank says, you know, I gave away $20. Who cares? It means nothing. It's just a manipulation technique to give you get, to get you to dig deep in your pocket and give them more money. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Now, If you think about it, one of the rewards from the Father is heaven itself. So when you die and you get to the pearly gates or whatever it is, I don't believe in the pearly gates, but when you stand before the Lord and you get no reward, that means you get no heaven. That means you are separated from all eternity from the presence of God. Verse two, so when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. Oh, look how much money we give. And in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in in full. I'm telling you, if all these prosperity preachers that live like kings on this earth, they're going to stand before the Lord and receive nothing. He will say to them, and if you're a prosperity preacher listening to this, please listen to this. You will stand before the Lord and he he will say to you, you have received your reward in full. You will get nothing here. Verse 3, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And again, the tithe is exactly letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I when when we pastored a church, people wanted to know, wanted to get their tax statements back so that they could they could uh, write it off on their taxes and stuff. Not, that that's
1: enough.
0: not saying that that's always a bad thing. But the thing is, is when I give, you give expecting nothing in return. Now, okay, you receive your taxing, you file your taxes, and the government rewards you for that, whatever and stuff. But I'm not going to go to a church and demand that. That's not why I give. And if they don't give me that, then fine. I'm not going to make a big deal about it because that's not why I gave the money. I did not give the money so that I could get it get it back on my taxes. And again, do not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. That's not what you're doing it for. Give it and let it go. When you give to someone, don't hold it over their heads. Remember that time I gave you uh, 50 bucks, you know, and stuff, you know. Don't hold it over people's heads. Don't give it with chains attached to it. I know so many people who, if if they give you something, they are going to expect something in return. When you give, let go of it. It's in the hands of God. Okay? Now, you can ask for someone to pay you back. I'm not saying that that's wrong or anything like that. But if they're not able to pay you back, Or if they simply don't do it, the Bible says we're not to take that person to court and to sue them, right? You're supposed to forgive them and leave them in the hands of God. You're not to go over to their house and beat them up and get your 50 bucks back. Again, so that verse 4, so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see that? So again, we you don't sound a trumpet, you don't you don't make a big deal about it. Uh, the widow's might in Matthew twelve. We all know the story about the widow who put in her might, and Jesus is sitting there watching the Pharisees put in their huge amounts of money and stuff, and and congratulating themselves for how much they gave, and this poor widow put in her might. And what's interesting about this story is Jesus never interrupts her, never stops her from doing it, and. She gives her might, and then she goes on about her way, and she leaves, and we don't know the rest of the story. But Jesus saw what she gave.
1: You know, what's interesting about that, too, is that here, Jesus is the very opposite of what a lot of these prosperity teachers, they have, like, VIP sections, you know, for the big givers, and they take the big givers out to lunch every Sunday. You know, they, they cater to these big givers, and they don't invite... The single mom over who's been giving ten dollars in the offering every week. Yeah. Um, that's not the person they notice. That's not the person that they give attention to. They give their time and their attention to their their big don donators.
0: And, and that's the it, thing that like like happens so something. often in churches that the people who tie the most, they're the ones that become the friends with the pastors, right? A lot of people on deacons boards and elder boards and churches are people who tithe a lot, who have no spiritual life whatsoever, who have no walk with God whatsoever, but they're big tithers. So they have a say in this church. We in the church in the 21st century today, we have everything backwards. Man, this person ties a lot of money. This person gives a lot. We need to make sure they're happy. We need to make sure that they, we keep them happy, that we that, that we keep them satisfied. Well, what about this person that gives very... I don't worry about that person. They don't do anything for the church. They're it's really kind of scary. They're too
1: busy working two jobs to take care of their kid. So they can't serve and they can't give very much. Yeah. So they must not be very important to God, so... Which
0: is not true. And the thing is, is again, we need to go back to the roots of Christianity. Go back to how did they live in the first. And again, I'm not saying that we live like hermits and, and we give away everything and we just wear, you know, one pair of clothes and, and, and things of that nature. God blesses us so that we can bless others. Okay. And God, God has given us a house. He's given us cars and stuff. God has been good to us, but, What I'm saying is that should put in us a heart that wants to give to others and a heart that wants to bless others. And so, you know, we look at Jesus. The Bible says Jesus had no place to lay his head. When he wanted to pay his taxes, he had to go get a a coin from a fish's mouth so that he could pay his taxes. The only time he ever rode... A horse or whatever that we read about in the Bible, was he, when he borrowed a donkey to ride into uh, Jerusalem for his triumphal entry, that wasn't even his. He had to borrow it. It said the foxes have, have uh, holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And the Bible says that Jesus became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. And again, so many prosperity preachers use that to say, well, see there, he wants us to be rich. Well, you don't see that in the lives of the apostles in the early church. Anyway. And if it was going to happen to anybody, it would have happened to them. If it was going to happen to anyone, it would have happened to John and Peter and Paul. What happened when when uh, John and uh, Peter we're walking to the temple at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3 and the guy was lame and and or no he he was blind I think and and no he was lame. Okay, well anyway, he was begging from them and they said, "What? Silver and gold, I have none. But what I do have is in the name of Jesus walk." And he got up and he walked. And we wonder why the church has no power. We can't lay hands on anybody and cause them to walk. But we got plenty of silver and gold. So I'm saying that the church of today has got everything backwards. We, we, we focus. We've got, all, we've got more machinery, more money, more prosperity in the church than we've ever had before. And yet we're doing less with it than the church has ever done before. Just, the New Testament church had none of that. They had no money. They had no no property. They had none of that stuff. But it says they turned the world upside down. That's good. They did miracles. And multitudes were brought to Jesus through their ministry. That's good. They had the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We have none of that. We have television. We have radio. We have multi-millions of dollars spent on missions, on 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 getting the gospel out, but we see so little fruit from it. And so again, we don't have any ulterior motive. We don't get, we don't get supported. We don't get, we don't take up offerings. We don't, we're not supported by anyone. So we don't have a vested interest in saying all these things. But one thing that we have seen, since we became Christians over 30 years ago is abuse in the church and wolves in sheep clothing, living off the backs of people, barely making it. And because of people's lack of understanding of the word, they just take it and they say, "Oh, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, that's what they say that the Bible says. So I guess that's what it means. I'm telling you, that's not what it means. And if you look behind, if you look at the story of the Gospels and of Jesus, Jesus had one set of clothes that the soldiers, you know, gambled for when he died. He had nothing. The disciples had nothing. The apostles had nothing.
1: So so also, um, if you guys have any confusion about the scripture that says he became poor, that we might become rich. Um, that's a whole other Bible study, but I would just encourage you to get out your strong concordance um, and look up treasures, riches, etc. In the New Testament, oftentimes the the gifts of the Spirit are talked about as treasures. Our inheritance of forgiveness and faith are talked about as treasures and riches. The riches of His kingdom, meaning the spiritual kingdom. And so just get your concordance out and look up some of those words, and you'll see that our riches that that Jesus became poor so that we become spiritually rich, and you'll see that if you do a word study and just kind of go through the word on that.
0: And and again, if if you feel like God has told you to give ten percent of your finances, then fine, give ten percent of your finances. We're not coming against that or or anything. I'm just all we're saying is be careful about being uh, manipulated being used for others and don't don't look for the needs in the body of christ be there for your brother if your brother uh is cold give him a coat right if you know someone that can't pay their bills and you have some extra money which you know extra money is kind of an oxymoron but you happen to have been blessed that month help your brother out help your sister out if you know uh a, a woman that's a like a single mom that's struggling to get by that has nothing to buy for her children for Christmas, for God's sake, help her out.
1: And 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 if you happen to go to a big church, it's not that big churches are bad, but if some a lot of people give and they, they trust their church to give to the poor and the needy. They just give their money to the church and they say, Oh, my church will take care of it but but make sure that your church furnishes financial statements to the congregation because if your church is really giving to the poor and to the needs of the church you should be able to look at the financial statements and see if that is happening if not if if they don't give their financial statements and they're not willing to share those financial statements there's probably a reason for that and so just let that be a red flag to you that you know look for a church where you can see if you're giving your money you're responsible for where that money goes to a certain extent so see look at the financial statements see if they're being giving you know see what they're doing with that money see if the pastor is getting paid two million dollars a year uh, you know just see what's happening know what's happening and, and don't just throw your money out there and just you know leave it all to God Do do some research so yeah
0: Amen. So we're coming on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is this coming Thursday. And so we pray that you guys have a blessed Thanksgiving. Hope you get to spend time with your families and just be blessed by the Lord. Amen. Amen.